Shalom Chavarim. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm here with the old man across the sea. Yep, the old man across the street. I said across the sea, but you're actually across the country right now. (laughs) Yeah. How are the hearing aids doing there? (laughs) Can you hear? (laughs) I think so. All right, perfect. Who are you? Uh, That's all right. We've been doing this for too long. All right. Um, Hey, we are here because uh, at the Jewish Road, we do not want you to go through life knowing only half of the story. Uh, We believe that there are first act people. There are Jewish people that go to synagogue every week and they only hear the first half of the story. There's also second act people. Who are those second act people? Those second act people are the ones who only hear the other half of the story. (laughs) (laughs) These are the Christians who they go to church. They they bought tickets to the same two act play. and They only saw the second act. That's right. And we are here to actually tell the whole story. We are bringing both halves together so everyone can know the whole story. And we believe that when you do this, you will grow deeper in your faith. And so we we stood right in the middle of the Jews and we stood right in the middle of the Christians or the Gentiles. And we asked ourselves, what would it be like to tell the other half of the story to each group to be able to fill in the gaps? And so that is why we're here. We believe the world needs to hear the whole story. And And you are joining us for that. So uh, today we are jumping in. We are continuing this series on the Jewish roots of the early church. This feast known as Pentecost or Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks is a very, very Jewish feast. Uh, And we've been talking about that. What's the Jewish mindset as we're going through this? Uh, What was the Jewish mindset during the time of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus? What was the Jewish mindset after the resurrection, while Jesus was among the disciples. And then what we've been talking about is after the ascension, uh, we have we have the church that is there. And this, when we say the church, we are trying to identify and make sure that we all understand that the church is a very Jewish thing. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like it. When you go through the course of history down through this age, uh, it has taken on a different meaning, especially for the Jewish people who look at it. And even for Gentile Christians who are a part of the church, they look at it as something different, distinguished from Israel and the Jewish people. The Jewish people look at it as something that is distinguished from them also. So what we want to do is we want to bring all of that together for both sides so that uh, we have a clear understanding biblically out of scripture as to what is taking place when this whole new thing is formed. Yeah, that's right. So just before we do that, that's enough of a little tease there. We got to get back to the Catskills. Oh, and and we're going to tell a little bit of a joke here and a little bit of Jewish humor just to inflict and let you have a little bit better day. So yeah, we're going to inflict it on you here. here yeah. Here's a good one. All right. There are three sons of a Yiddish mama. What's okay? a Yiddish, Yiddish what? mama? That, that's a Jewish mother. Okay. All right. All right. My Yiddish mama. Yeah. And they left their homeland and they went abroad and prospered. And they discussed the gifts they were able to give their aging mother. And so you have Avraham, who is the first son. Yeah. And he said, I built a big house for our mother. Ah, yeah. And you have Moshe, who is the second son. And he says, I sent her a Mercedes with a driver proud of himself. And then you have 
David, David, the youngest son. And uh, he said, you remember how our mother enjoys reading the Bible? So she can't see very well now. So I sent her this remarkable parrot that recites the whole Bible. All that mama has to do is name the chapter and verse. Not so that's, that sounds like a good deal. So not too long after that, a letter of thanks came from their mother and she writes to Avraham, the oldest son. And she says, the house you built is so huge. So I live only in one room, but I have to clean the whole house. <laughs> oh, boy. And then Moisha, she says to him, I'm too old to travel. I stay most of the time at home. So I rarely use the Mercedes and that driver has spilkas. <laughs> that means he has pain in the tuchus. Or ants in the pants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but David, the youngest one, she wrote to him and said, the chicken was delicious. <laughs> she, ate the, she ate the Torah reading parrot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That one's good. That's as good as the helicopter one for me. Yeah. I like that. That was good. Put a bum. Yeah. All right. Hey, I thought we ran out of them, but there you go. You came in a pinch. We got a good one today. Uh, Jewish humor never ends. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Hey, let's get into it. Uh, we've been talking about Pentecost. We finally got to Acts chapter two and we walked through and we talked about the group of people that was there gathered that day, 50 days after Passover, 10 days after the ascension of Jesus to go to the father. Uh, he says, I'll send a helper. And you have this Jewish community that is gathered and they're waiting and the spirit of God comes and falls on them. And you see fire above all of them. And it's a great moment. And 3000 are saved. And, and then we get to that. That's just the morning. That's 9am. And now we get to chapter three and believe it or not, it's the same day. And we're calling this the afternoon of Pentecost. And on this particular occasion now, in chapter three, uh, scripture tells us that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. This is the ninth hour or three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms from them, wanted a donation, needs a little help. He's paralyzed. He's been paralyzed his whole life. Now, Peter, yeah, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up. He stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. You can imagine uh, this. This fellow has been paralyzed his entire life. And now all of a sudden, you know, he wants a few coins and he's got his legs and his feet and he's totally healed. And all of the people says in verse nine, saw him 
walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. You know, you get the sense that this is the biggest and best beggar in all of Jerusalem. And they recognize him. They know who he is. They have seen him. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And what's interesting is, is while he clung to Peter and John, he's just kind of hanging on them. He's not going to let them go. All of the people are utterly astounded. And they ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And it's interesting because you know, th- this is a scene you, you might as well have said, and so Yeshua, Jesus is there and he's healing, right? We see that he's doing this all throughout. He's healing the lame. And now this gift is given to those in the early church. You see Peter and, and, and the miracles that are taking place. And people are, are, again, they are filled with wonder and amazement. But these miracles are never done in an isolated event just, just to heal. But it's always for the furtherance of the gospel power of God. Yeah. And, you know, he did this during his entire earthly ministry to authenticate his messiahship, who he was, that he was God in human flesh. You know, if you go through the Gospels, especially uh, Matthew eight and nine, you see that he takes authority over the natural world. He takes authority over the supernatural world. He takes authority over sickness and illness, and he takes authority over death itself. And so he shows and authenticates himself as the Messiah of Israel, God in flesh. And so here we have this situation and Peter sees another opportunity and he is not going to let an opportunity go past him. This is the, uh, he this addresses is, the people. This is the second service, basically, right? He's, he's yeah, he's gearing up service. And so Peter, he sees this and he addresses the people in verse 12. And he says, men of Israel. And that's important. Pay attention to this. Right. And, and I think it, sometimes we just will we'll land on Acts three. We forget it's still the same day here. Uh, but Peter is addressing. He says, men of Israel. Who is he talking to? The early talking to the Jewish people. Yeah. The early church is Jewish. Now he says, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Yeshua, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. Who's yeah. he talking to? He's talking yeah. to, to the Jewish people there. Yeah, he's talking to a Jewish audience. And it's it's worth noting that he focuses the attention back on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, I, I think back uh, in all the way back in the book of Genesis in chapter 40, where uh, Joseph is in prison and you have the uh, cupbearer and the baker and they have dreams and, uh, you know, they want uh, an interpretation of the dreams. And they say to Joseph, we heard you can do this. And Joseph says, I can't do it, but God can. And you have the same situation here with Peter. He's saying that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's the God of our fathers. He glorified his servant, Jesus, Yeshua, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate who wanted to let him go. That's right. So he, 
he is he is really bringing it to them again for the second time. He's I, I bet you nobody's uh, really falling asleep here. They're tuned in. They're paying attention. Uh, he says, you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. And to this, we are witnesses. We've seen this. Right. And so this is this is what we get uh, even later on in First Corinthians 15, all of these resurrection accounts and it says and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and you know you you walk by this guy all the time and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man his perfect health this perfect health in the presence of all of you yeah they they have the physical eyewitness of what God has done here and he's done it now because Yeshua Jesus isn't physically present with them but he sent the holy spirit and it's through the power of God the spirit that these things are taking place to authenticate the claims of God and the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, that the gospel is the truth. And so Peter says, now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that his Messiah would suffer, he thus fulfilled. God said throughout uh, so many parts and places in the scripture that the Messiah would come and that he would suffer, um, you know, and they didn't quite get it. Uh, they, they had a sense that there, they, they, the rabbis had a sense that there were two messiahs, uh, right? Uh, the son of Joseph and the son of David. Yes, Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. One was going to be the suffering Messiah, the son of Joseph, and the son of David was going to be the conquering Messiah. And they really kind of put off the son of Joseph. They were looking for the son of David. They had a lot of, you know, uh, enemies, uh, and they thought when the Messiah came, he would rid them of their enemies at this point in time. It was Rome. But Peter's message is uh, this is the Messiah who came. And he says, repent and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Just like he said in the morning service when they were cut to the heart and they said, what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized, be immersed for uh, forgiveness of sins. And so, you know, that is the message throughout all of scripture. The, the message isn't accept Jesus. The message isn't, you know, walk the, while, the, the aisle or fill out a card. The message isn't join the church. The message is you give your life, crucify yourself daily and walk with the Lord. You know, um, somebody said, uh, if you're not walking, then you're not believing what it is that you say you're believing. So this is what the message is. And uh, Peter says, do it in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And then he, he goes on to talk about Moses and puts that witness in front of them, uh, going back to Deuteronomy 18, 
says that Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. Well, God did raise up a prophet. That prophet was Yeshua, who was Jesus. And he says, listen to him in whatever he tells you. That one who Moses said is going to come. He's going to be just like me from amongst your own brethren. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. And then he says, you are the sons of the prophets. Yeah. So he right right here, he says, you are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your fathers. So again, it's, it's replete throughout here that the people, the audience, those who are present here in Acts chapter two and three and four. And even as we go further, uh, these are the Jewish people. And this is the covenant that God made saying to Abraham and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And this is important. Again, we have another foreshadowing. So, yes, this covenant is made with you, the Jewish people. But you are also called to be a light to the nations. And that's where Israel, time and time again, throughout the first act, they blew it. They messed up. They were called to be this light to the nations. And because they didn't, um, Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to uh, re reinstate this. We're going to have a new covenant. And because of this, um, this light is now going to shine and it's going to continue on. And, and Israel will finally be a blessing in all of the earth. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting here, just at, at the end of chapter three, uh, Peter makes the point uh, saying that God, having raised up his servant, the servant is the Messiah, it's Jesus, having raised him up, sent him to you first. You know, he's talking to the Jews. And it's just like what Paul said in Romans chapter one, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to who? To the Jew first. And also to the Greek, to the Gentile, you know, if, if you don't like that, don't talk to me, talk to God. Uh, that's what he said. It's to the Jew first. And so he said that that was in order to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. And so here we have it. Uh, we have a, uh, another uh, service in the afternoon. And uh, as they were speaking to the people, you know, the priests and, the, and uh, those who are in charge in the temple and the Sadducees, they don't like what Peter and John are saying uh, because they're proclaiming in Yeshua, in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. And so they arrest them. I, I like it. it it says that they were greatly annoyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they put them in, they put them in jail, you know, for, for the day. But in verse four, it says many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. 5,000. So here's like a trick question. If you want to be like a smarty pants with some of your friends in your group, or, you know, if you teach a, a class of kids at church on Sunday or something, you say, how many people came to faith on that day of Pentecost? Everyone's going to say 3,000. Yeah, That's not, but that but, was just the morning service. That was the morning service, right? So what we're really looking at is uh, you had 3,000 in the morning and 5,000. He gained some steam in that afternoon service. Uh, yeah. What's the what's the point? What what are we supposed to take away from all of this? 
I think the point that we take away is the fact that we have the beginnings of what we refer to as the church. And we think of that as this great Gentile institution. We think of that as Christianity. We think of that as something that is not Jewish, but that was so far from the truth in the first century here, right after the resurrection of the Messiah, Jesus, that we have 8,000 people now in the church and they're all Jewish. They're all there for a Jewish high holy day and appointed time by God that was appointed all the way back in Leviticus 23. And it's interesting, Peter preaches for five minutes in the morning and 3,000 are saved and he preaches for three minutes in the afternoon and 5,000 are saved. And we have 8,000 people now in the church and uh, they're all, they're all Jewish, you know? So my gosh, what do we do? Where where in the world are the Gentiles ever going to get into this thing? Yeah. And so that's what we're going to hit in the next podcast episode Uh, as we continue and finish out uh, this series, the Jewish roots of the early church. We're going to ask the question, can Gentiles really be saved? And that was the Jewish mindset. If you're looking at Acts chapter two and three and four, everything we've just gone through today and in the last podcast, um, that was the question for the Jews. (laughs) Even though it says that they're supposed to be a light and a blessing uh, to to the rest, to all the nations of the earth, uh, it was almost inconceivable that the Gentiles could actually be saved. And you'll see that in the wonderment that takes place as we go through the passage next time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the, the, uh, the question of can the Gentiles be saved or how do they get saved? You know, we, we say that uh, kind of a little bit of tongue in cheek because the idea of a Jew getting saved is, is very close to us uh, mainly because it happened uh, to us and it happens to others because there are Gentile believers out there who are not afraid to tell a Jewish person about their Messiah. And so we appreciate the fact that they did that and they do. And uh, I like the Gentiles a lot. And so, you know, I, I looked through the scriptures early on in my life as a believer to see if they can really get saved. And the good news is that they can, right? Yep. Uh, I'm being a little facetious here. But uh, as we take our excursion down the Jewish road, here, we're going to see something different that takes place, uh, uh, and we'll we'll look at that in the next uh, in the next episode. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Uh, as always, here on the Jewish Road Podcast, uh, we love that you're listening, and uh, you can stay in touch with us. You can go on social media if you are an Instagrammer or Facebooker. Uh, you can see us at the Jewish Road, and uh, you can always check in on some of the things that we have. We have blogs that are being updated and new podcasts and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until next time, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. We we always say Psalm 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.